As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Football Show. I'm Kaylin Kaler, senior NFL writer for The Athletic. Welcome to QB2, the show where we talk to only my favorite players in football, the backup quarterbacks. Because the backups are rarely the star of any team, I've created a show to give them their moment to share their knowledge and stories. QB2 is a loose term because the guys in this role are pretty regularly shifting up and down the depth chart. Today's guest is a great example of that because he came into training camp this year as the QB4 in Carolina, then became the two and then the one, and is now the two again. As we are recording this on Friday of week 15, he went undrafted out of Temple in 2017, spent two years on the Colts practice squad, and then became an XFL legend, throwing for four touchdowns in his first game as a Houston Roughneck and becoming the league's first ever star of the week. In 2020, he signed with the Panthers, and he's been there ever since. Welcome to the show, PJ Walker. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to do a little intro for you guys. Absolutely. Um, learning it. about your careers as I prep for this is one of my favorite parts of doing these. Um, so first, I want to ask you, PJ, Phil, Philip, what do we, what do we, what do you prefer? Uh, PJ, PJ, PJ. Yeah. got it. I've heard like coaches call you like Phil before, mm-hmm. or like somebody said skateboard P once, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's a nickname I got last year. So. I mean, How did that come about? Where did Skateboard P come from? Cam Newton, when he got here last year, called me Skateboard P. And a lot of the guys in the receiver room can't let it go, so they all still call me that for the most part. Why do you think – I mean, did you have a skateboard? What was the origin story of that? I don't know the background, but uh, I don't know the background of it, but some guys do. and uh, Some I'll, people I'll, do, but you don't? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Okay. He, got a, he, has, he has a name for a lot of people. And yeah. Everybody almost had a nickname. 
we had um, Kyle Allen on uh, a couple weeks ago, and his he had a nickname also from Cam. It was Lovey Dovey. He actually knew he knew the origin of his because it was because he kept posting his girlfriend on his Instagram. <laughs> um, but we're gonna have to find out. So, like yes. again, Cam, if you're watching this, please phone in and let us know why PJ is called Skateboard Pete. Uh, we need to know, or any teammates who are watching, please let us know. That's who. Um, I want to start with uh, a question that I think is really uh, pertinent to guys in your position. So, you know, I've talked to players who don't want to come on the show because they don't see themselves as a backup yeah. or they don't want to ever like identify with the term QB2. And even though I said it's pretty loose, you know, some people just don't want to go there. So right. I'd be curious for you um, at this point in your career, uh, how do you see yourself? Like what term would you use to describe like where you are in your career? Um, it's tough to it's tough to have a term for it, you know, just based off of um, my situation over the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, me being my this being my sixth year in the league, um, I'm, I'm one of those guys that could just come into a QB room and I can help the room, you know, whether it's help the starter, help the backup or anything like that. You know, I'm always here to push guys, um, give guys that competitive edge when I'm in that room. And uh that, that's always been my role, you know. Uh, so for me, it's always just push the guys around me, uh, try to get guys better. And also because that also brings out the best of me, you know, just making sure everybody else around me is good and competing at a high level. Your first start in the NFL was in 2020 when Teddy yep. Bridgewater hurt his knee and he was questionable all week. I believe he was a game time decision. Yeah. Take me into that Sunday. How much time did you have? Like, when did you find out you were going to be starting? Uh, I found out right before the game Saturday or Sunday morning, but I had an idea going in, going throughout the week, you know, mm -hmm. to, um, the way the reps went during the week, uh, Teddy didn't practice much. And, um, so for me, it was just to go out there, take advantage of those reps when I was out there, you know, and, uh, just, just keep preparing. Like I'm going to start not knowing if I'm going to start or not. Uh, I know Teddy could have went out there and played with, with or without practice. So for me, it was just to go out there and be ready and stay ready. And so when you find out Sunday morning, like, do you remember if it was like an hour before, two hours before? Like, what is it like on a game day? How do you get that information? About an hour, about an hour before, you know, because uh, Teddy, Teddy had to go through his, he had to go through his pregame warm-up, his pregame workout. Uh -huh, right, right. If he can go or not. And uh, at about a, I would say about an hour before the game, they let me know that I was going to end up starting. And uh, so for me, it was just, just. I was already preparing myself to start, though. So that yeah. was the best part. I, I didn't really think that Teddy was going to play. Uh, so for me, it was just to go out there and and be ready. You know, I, I had that mindset all week. And, you know, if, if I didn't have that mindset all week, I probably would have, you know, struggled a little bit out there. So it was more like a confirmation as opposed yeah. to, like, really you were on the fence. Like, you pretty much right. knew. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I, I knew and I had, an, I had a good idea. It was, I just needed the confirmation of saying, yeah. like, all right, you're going to be the starter today. When when you're when the starter like has an injury like that, how much are you kept in the loop as far as like how his rehab is going or how he's feeling on that yeah. day? Like, what do you know about it? Not much at all, especially for for a guy that's like questionable. You know, um, you just really never know how they feeling. Uh, they could they could not feel good all week, and come Sunday they could feel better. You know, yeah. so you just gotta you just gotta at the end of the day be be ready. Uh, you know, and for me, it was it was also just to look look forward to the opportunity. Don't go out there and not not be ready for it. You know, so I was just I just had to make sure I was ready for the opportunity, and uh, I was. And is it more like 
just because the nature of certain injuries is kind of unpredictable that you don't know? Or is it more like Teddy doesn't want to tell you or other people don't want to tell you? Uh, I don't think it's more of Teddy not wanting to tell me or other people. You know, I just think that it was just more of him rehabbing throughout that week and yeah. just seeing where he can see him, seeing where he was at the time and seeing how he moved and things like that. Uh, you know, just with that, when the opportunity was presented to me that I'd be starting, you know, I just I had to I had to take full advantage of it. And, uh, you know, I thought I thought the guys around me, you know, also helped me out with that and just preparing, getting me getting me prepared for the week. You know, they, they was all they was all buying into me and. Uh, it felt good. So I'm going to come back to uh, this season of the Panthers a little bit later, but I want to go back to the very start of your um, professional football career okay. um, with the Colts. And Andrew Luck was there at the time. And I, I believe you were there. I mean, Luck just did his first big interview with ESPN recently. So he's kind of been back in the news uh, as we've gotten a better understanding of like what was going on in his mind during that time. Um, what was it like to be there with Andrew Luck and witnessing him just stepping away from the game, that's that training camp. It was, it was crazy because he just won comeback player of the year the year before. Yeah. And uh, to this is this the the main thing I really remember is Jacoby coming up to me on the sideline like twelve is about to retire, and when he said that, Andrew didn't come in my mind first of all. So. It wasn't. I wasn't thinking Andrew. Then You're I'm, thinking like was, Aaron Rodgers or something. I was thinking somebody. Tom else. Brady. I had no idea who he was talking about. Maybe like Tom or somebody. Yeah. Then when I was like 12, he was like Andrew. I was like, what? I was I was as shocked as everybody else was at the time. You know, I found out during the game, so it was like, wow. I I wasn't expecting it or nothing like that. I'm sure a lot of people wasn't, but to see it happen was was crazy. It was a crazy time and. uh it was it's just happened so fast, I wanna say, you know. It was right I found out going about end of the game and next thing you know it was it happened. That's so wild. So I think like we've now all kind of gained a better appreciation and understanding of, you know, why Andrew made that yeah. decision. And, you know, I think a few years later we're kind of all at a place now where we're like, Okay, like you know, people need to make decisions that they're comfortable with and yep. take care of their bodies and their mental health and everything. Um, have you ever, in the course of your career, which has obviously been full of up and downs, mm -hmm. have you ever thought about quitting? Like, why are you still here, you know, trying to make a football career? Uh, it was tough in 2018, I want to say, uh, for me. You know, I was released from the Colts a lot during that during that 2018 <laughs> season. And uh, I would end up, I would travel, though. So I knew I would still be around. I knew I was still, you know, but just not being able to go out there and practice, not being able to go out there and get reps, not being out there with the guys, those things was like affecting me. Uh, not in a good way either, because I was like really disappointed about it. But uh, in my competitive edge was just like, come on, like I want to be out there with the guys, but it just wasn't going that way. So for me, it was just when you do get an opportunity to go out there, um, to go out there and be around the guys when you get the chance to go around your teammates, just enjoy that, enjoy that, you know, cause you, you never know when it's going to get taken away from you. You know, that was my mindset about the whole thing. So it almost sounds like you maybe felt like someone who was injured in a sense, like somebody yeah, who and, was. Absolutely. Yeah. In ways, in ways I was, you know, but you know, just having that, having, you know, a good, good a good corner, a good, a good, good support group around me to just tell me to stick it, stick it out and just continue to just, Keep keep grinding, keep keep doing what you're doing. You know it's gonna pay off at some point. You know, and uh, 
Yes. So when, and uh, audience, he is not joking. I believe you were released from the Colts like 10 times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who's counting, right? Um, so when when you're released in those moments and you're explaining like they would travel you, I'm assuming they're traveling you just in case a quarterback gets hurt or they need um, depth for a game day. I, I was usually traveling. Uh, I was the, I was on practice when I was the third quarterback. That yeah. Traveled. Uh, so it really it really wasn't even a injury thing either. You know, so I wasn't. It wasn't an injury thing. So that was, that was just the toughest part for me, just not being able to go out there and practice with those guys throughout the week. Yeah. So what did you do during the week? Are you just like sitting at home in Indianapolis, like waiting yeah. for them to bring you back? Pretty much. I just work out on my own. Just try, try to get as much working out in, as I could on my own and make sure I come back into the facility uh, ready to go. Yeah. Are, are they – I don't know exactly what the rules are. Like are the coaches able to – if you're not – official if they you're not on, they can't talk to you or send mm -hmm. you anything yeah nope. okay wow so yeah. so you know if you were like seeing a hypothetically if you had been seeing like a counselor with the Colts or like a sports psychologist there like mm -hmm. you would not be able to would, do that yeah well, I wouldn't have been able to because I wasn't part of the team at the time wow that is like a very interesting sort of like weird gray area for players who are like on that fringe bubble yeah. where like the team does need you but they don't need you every single day yes and that's that was my situation I, I felt like you know so for me it was it was tough to be a part of it you know by like the third or fourth week i was pretty much over it you know but uh i just i just wanted to continue it continue to go through with it and uh see where it goes from there yeah that's so interesting so the last time that they released you it was september of 2019 yep. um did you think you were going back? Like, what was the messaging at that point? Uh, it wasn't like the it wasn't like those previous ones that the conversations we had with the previous releases. Um, you know, I thought that was I knew that was my final my final time being there. Uh, I knew that was the last time I'd be there. And uh, so they they actually said like goodbye. Yeah, yeah, it was actually I got I got actual goodbyes that during that. During oh, okay, that. okay. So I just knew that one was I knew that was it for me. Okay. And what are you thinking at that point? Are you thinking my NFL career is done? Are you thinking uh, I'm going to have another shot? I'm definitely thinking I got another shot to go somewhere. Uh, you know, I was already in the process of kind of hearing about the XFL. Yeah. And for me being on a practice squad the past two years, you know, uh, I was just ready to go out there and play football no matter where it was, you know, at, at right. that moment. Um, I just wanted to go out there and show the guys and show, show, show pretty much the world that, I've been working and I can go out there and play football still, you know, you know, being on, being on practice squad for two years and not getting no game reps is pretty, it's pretty challenging for, for a player, I would say, you know, and nobody's really getting, getting an opportunity to see you play besides the guys around you. And uh, when I got the opportunity at XFL, it was my, my, my opportunities that I had with the coach on the practice squad showed how I was practicing in the XFL, how I was practicing with the Colts. So for you, you weighed actual game experience mm -hmm. over going to another NFL team's practice squad. Yes. Because mm -hmm. I know, um, I, I think Oliver Luck, who was the commissioner of that version of the XFL, yep. um, he said that after you had committed to the XFL and signed on, the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted to sign you. I think it was like Ravens week and they yeah. thought you were similar to Lamar Jackson and they wanted to sign you kind of to be that scout team look during, during yep. the week. 
Um, but obviously that's not game action. How did you feel learning? Did you know that that happened at the time? I knew it happened. Um, and my agent spoke about it and, uh, I wasn't disappointed. Um, you know, it just, it was, I, I believe it was towards the end of the year. At some point it was probably middle towards the end of the year. So for me, it was just to go out there and, uh, get prepared that we go play in the XFL, you know, uh, I knew those games was going to be live and televised. So for me, it was just to go out there and, uh, to show the world I was able to play ball still. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. So your Twitter, all your social media, like profile photos are still from your XFL days, yeah. which I, I I actually love that. Like that version of the XFL was so much fun. And I'm super excited for it to come back this season because <laughs> you're like, I'm going to be watching. I'm definitely going to be watching. Definitely. So I want to talk a little bit more about that XFL chapter of your mm-hmm. life because it was so exciting. So when you joined the XFL, I mean, it was brand, it, you know, it was a brand new iteration of this. What was different about life in the XFL as a player? Like what, um, what benefits do you get as an NFL player that maybe weren't around in the XFL? Uh, it's, there, there's different, there's different things to it. Uh, I want to say, but you know, for the most part, the traveling, the traveling with the guys, and uh, that's really the only difference. I want to mm-hmm. say, you know. You know, we get a lot of great things here in the NFL that the XFL 
kind of didn't offer at the time, you know, just based off of it just up and running and getting going, right. you know. Uh, so it's pretty much just the traveling. That was really the only difference that I felt that was more different than the NFL. You know, yeah. I, I love the NFL rules, the XFL rule changes we had. I was going to ask you, what is your what is the, your favorite one? Uh, the, the no, the no extra point. That was my by yes. far my favorite. It was a couple of times I've actually ran out there, on, like running off the field after a touchdown, thinking we about to go kick a field goal extra point, but I got to run back out there because it's time. We got to go score on offense again. So that, that I actually, I actually like that part. Headline: PJ Walker hates kickers. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we didn't say that. That's not what he said. Don't take it out of context. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I, I will say that personally. Um, they're great people. They're great people. But I 100% agree. Like, that is why I love the XFL because yeah. all the different – I mean, you could go – you could score nine points in one possession yes. because yes. there was a one-point conversion. There was a two-point conversion. There was a three-point conversion, which barely anyone ever did. Um, yeah. But I was going to ask you, like, how – so if your favorite rule change of the XFL was that extra point um, – being a conversion every time and, and no actual extra point kick. Uh, what, how did that change the strategy of the game? And I personally would think like, so the three point conversion was the farthest back. Yes. The two point was at the five, I think. And yeah, the one two point was at the five and the one point was at like the two. The two. Yeah. yeah. So I would think if the farther back you are, you actually have more room in the end zone to like do a passing yes. play, but it wasn't utilized that much. So, Tell me a little bit about like the strategy of of the conversions in the XFL. Yeah, so it, I think it was based off the teams we were playing because we actually went for two, uh, three points in the XFL a couple times on my team. Uh, we was a pass heavy team, though. Yeah. Like we threw the ball a lot, so for us it was I mean, anytime we saw a team that played like red two or any type of split safeties down there, you know, we was attacking. We was we was throwing the football down there. We wanted to have that space, so we would go for three points. You know, we would try to spread the field out and try to just get people to run as much with, with the space that we had, you know, it was more space for us to go out there and convert and uh, make those plays. Do you think the NFL will ever adopt that? <laughs> are you sort of, are you bringing it up in meetings? Are you, are you trying to convince people like, you know, grassroots style? I'm all, I'm all for it, you know, but I don't think it'll change. I think the NFL does what, does what the NFL does for a reason. And, uh, it's it's always worked, so I think I think that's why they're continue, they're consistent with what they do. Did your three point conversions um, were you successful? Consist we were successful on two of them, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's like so much fun. I love that. Yeah. Um, so you kind of one of my other questions for you was going to be, did you ever get confused either? And you and you talked about you know running off the field thinking oh we're we're gonna kick an extra point like I'm done. Um, were there any other moments where the rules changes became confusing and and some of the other rules changes for the audience who um, maybe isn't familiar? There was a running game clock. Yep. Um, there was an eighth official, particularly to spot the ball to kind of yeah. keep the game moving faster, which I think is also another really good idea. Yep. Um, you could do a double forward pass, mm -hmm. which is really fun. Um, yeah. So, was there any moments where you were like, "Wait, how? What is going on here?" No, I, I actually liked all the rules that they had in play. Um, one of the most interesting things, though, about that was every receiver having a speaker in their helmet. Mm, mm -hmm. Like, the, like the, in the NFL, you got all the quarterbacks with the quarterbacks and linebackers or whoever's calling right. the for that team. Has One person speaker. per yeah. side. Yeah. 
And for the XFL, all the receivers had them with the quarterback. So we really, the receivers barely was in the huddle for us. You know, they always stayed outside the huddles and they just listened up for when June was calling to play to me, he was talking to them as well. So that was the, that was actually interesting to me. Does that, that seems like it would be helpful as far as the speed of the game. It is. And and, and uh, the play clock, not the play clock, the time clock to get in and out of the huddle was short. It was only 25 seconds. Right. Right. That was that was part of the reason for us not huddling at all with the receivers and keeping them out there for the uh, splits. And when did the like microphone shut off? Like uh, it's it's like the NFL after okay. fifteen seconds. Okay. So were there any times you were able to make like say something to a? Could you say something to your receivers or you're all just listening able, to the coach? I wasn't able to say something. We was all yeah. Listening to the coach, so that was okay. really. But we would call a play in, and uh, our, our team was pretty good with knowing what they were doing or, and things like that. So they really, June pretty much didn't say much after he set the plays. Yeah, that's so, it's so interesting. Um, I remember one instance that um, your team, that you, I think you kneeled on fourth down mm-hmm. with two seconds left on the clock. And in the NFL, it would have been fine. It was a nine point difference in the game. You guys had a nine point lead. In yep. the NFL, that would have been fine. But in the XFL, your opponent, I think it was Seattle, actually could have... <laughs> had a chance to tie the game because you can't score nine points. What happened there? Was that just like coaches kind of forgetting about that or? So they, so we ended up taking the knee. They, I guess they thought the time was, it would time out right to where we would be able to just, you know, game would be over. But the refs end up walking into the locker room at the time and they called the game and we wasn't looking back at that point. We was, everybody was off the field by that point. Right. Right. Wow. Do you remember any, what was the communication like after that? Like, did anyone try to get you guys to come back out and be like, well, it's actually not over. Yeah. Seattle tried to, uh, <laughs> but the refs, I don't believe the refs didn't think that they could score or something. It was just something, it was a crazy situation. Yeah. Wasn't, the refs wasn't trying to come back out for it. And they wasn't trying to finish that, that last two seconds of the game, which was weird, you know, but for us, it was good. We, you know, we got the win and, they, we didn't give them opportunity as well to score those nine points either. Right. So were you guys, were you hearing from NFL teams during your XFL uh, career because you were leading the league, I believe, in touchdowns and passing? Like you were kind of like the name of the XFL in that time. So did you hear from any teams being like, "Hey, like, you're looking good," you know, from the NFL side? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't hear from teams. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure my agent was in communications with, with for the most part. Uh, I was just trying to stay as focused as possible at that moment, you know, just uh, trying to trying to continue on with the success that I was having throughout the league and not trying to let all the other distractions, you know, inter- interrupt me while I was playing. And uh, for me, it, it worked out perfectly, you know. Um, once the end of the season had came and COVID ended up coming, stopped the season midway through the year, there was a few teams that was interested. So I was looking forward to the opportunity of actually just getting ready to get back into the league. What was it like when that season really abruptly ended? Um, you guys had a couple of games left in the schedule. Yeah. Like, what happened? How did you get home? Where was home? Did you get paid? So we got paid for our we got paid for our last game. Okay, I good. Was, I was still I was I was living in Charlotte at the time as well. Okay, and uh, it was just a lot going on. You know, we end up we end up having a meeting on like Monday. Um, thinking we, they only said it wasn't canceled. They didn't say it was canceled in the beginning, so they kept guys around, you know, for those for those couple of days. And 
for us, it was just like, well, are we going to play this? Are we going to play Saturday? We got to travel. Next thing you know, they canceled the NBA season. And it was like, there was no way we about to play. So we already, a lot of guys end up booking flights that Monday or Tuesday to go back home to where they where they were from. And uh, I ended up leaving on Tuesday uh, just because I knew that we, we wasn't going to play the rest of the season. And it just wasn't looking good for us. Mm-hmm. And did you have to, like, you know, pay your own way home because it was, like, yeah. over? It was all yeah, over. Yep, yeah, we had the power way home. We had the power way back. And uh, that was that was the craziest part, you know, just the abrupt uh, shutdown was was insane. Were you and your teammates like keeping up a group text to be like, "Hey, how's yeah. everybody doing?" Yeah, we did. We it was, it was a lot of us, and you know, I think the team that we have is pretty close with a, a close knit group, and uh, yeah. you could just everybody was just continuing to talk and trying to see what other guys ended up in, in back in the NFL, or you know, a lot of guys got opportunities to go play in Canada as well, so. You know, a lot of those dudes are still playing and, and still doing their thing. Did I was listening to Taylor Heineke on a different podcast, and he also was in the XFL at that time. Yeah. And um, he said he noticed a difference in um, sort of the uh, seriousness of some of the players in the XFL, yeah. kind of saying, like, you know, some guys were just there to have fun. And yeah. I wonder if you saw that too. Like, how was the um, attitude, you know, different than maybe an NFL locker room? Yeah, you could. I was, I was definitely. You can see the difference from my group of my group of guys that I was around. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, compared to some other groups, you know, I can tell the group that I was with was there for a mission. You know, and. Mm-hmm. They really wanted to go out there and play ball, and they really wanted to go out there and try to get back into the NFL. You know, we had a lot of good group of guys. Like the name, I can name a group of guys that that's played at high level football. Like Coney Ealy, he played here in Carolina. Yeah. You know, uh, Gabe, Gabe Wright, he was there. You know, so we had Cam. Everybody that was actually contributing and going out there and playing well was, you know, on a mission to get back into the NFL, and that was the best part about our our team. I would say. So your opponents is kind of what you're saying that you, you maybe saw some less times, serious opponents. At times, you know, they just I didn't I didn't think they was as brought in as we were as a group. You know, we we, we took advantage of that. You know, as, yeah. as a team, we uh we knew we knew we could attack some of those guys, and we we played at a high level because of that. So I need you to help me understand something about the Panthers' quarterback room this season. Mm-hmm. So. It's interesting. Like Baker was a starter. Yep. Sam had been a starter. Um, you had even started games in Carolina and won them. Um, you know, so just looking at the room from where I sit, there were two first round picks who had been starters for most of their careers, yeah. and then you. And um, when all three of you have sort of the ability to start, you know, you can, and maybe sometimes think you should be. Like, what is the dynamic there when you have three guys that are like, I can do this? I was just talking to one of the guys in the in the locker room about this. Uh, I've never I've never been around a group of guys that was un, as unselfish as the group that we have in our locker that we had in that QB room at the time. Uh, we all knew we can go out there and contribute, play on Sundays, and uh, go out there and win games for this for this program, for for this team, for the organization, you know. But when only one guy can go out there and play on Sundays, you know. So for us. It was the support whoever went out there and played on Sunday. And I thought that's what we did really well. You know, um, each guy had each other's back. And um, we just we, we was out there competing with each other and 
the decision that was made going into the week to see who was playing was the decision. You know, we ran with it and we got we fed off each other. We helped each other. Uh, we got each other better throughout the week, and um, that helped us. That helped us a lot, and it made it made our, it made our transitions throughout every every week easier. You know, it was because if it was anybody that was going to show any anger or anything like that, it probably would have affected the room. But all the guys stayed stayed humble, stayed mellow, and just whatever happened happened. They went they went with the flow to uh. The, the decisions that was made. So Matt Corral, who is the rookie that Carolina drafted this year, um, he gets hurt in the preseason. Yeah. He's on IR. Is he around? Is he able to be like involved at all yes. this season in the quarterback yeah. room? Yep, he's around. He's in the QB room. He's learning nice. still. Uh, you know, he's still trying to adjust to the league. And, uh, you know, I'm just here to help him as much as I can as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm the guy that pretty much he comes to for a lot of his, a lot of his answers. So for me, it's just to always have those have the answer for him, you know, always be there to have the answer for him and help him as much as I can. What are the conversations like when, you know, as I sort of said in this intro, like you've been in a lot of different jobs just this season alone. And so had Baker, so has Sam. Um, What are the conversations like when um, Steve or, you know, if it was Matt Rule at the time when he says to you guys, okay, PJ's got the job this week or it's Baker this week. Do they do that with everyone there is, are you guys informed individually? How does that actually play out? Yeah, it's been broken. It's so it's it started with with Coach Wilkes, uh, you know, just him coming into the room throughout early in the week and letting us know who we gonna roll with. Uh, and so for us, it's so you're all there. Yeah, we all in there. We listening, and that's the best way to that's the best way yeah. to get the information is you know straightforward and you know honest. You know he, he ain't gonna he gonna shoot you straight, and that's what it's gonna be what it's gonna be. But that's the that's the response. That's the that's what that's what you want as a player. You know, mm-hmm. you want somebody that's gonna be there and tell you what it's gonna be straight up. So for us, when he come in there, he give us that information. You know, we all we can do is just sit there. We can take the information in and move on. You know, uh, support the guy that's that's starting that week. So that and that was our mindset. I, I would say each week, every week that we that we got that information. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, and then obviously the most recent kind of. Uh, big news out of Carolina was when Baker requested his release um, after he found out he was going to be inactive for that game. Does Baker uh, inform you guys about that? Or is that kind of between him and the front office that he's asked to go? Yeah, that was pretty much between him and the front office, you know? Uh, So for us, we was just, we was as shocked as everybody else was. And uh, it it, it sucked to see it happen, you know, because we all, we all was there supporting each other, you know, helping each other and, uh, for the most part, we all we always really good friends in this, in, the, in that room. So we all built a really good relationship with each other just based off of since training camp, you know. Uh, and that, that was tough. And obviously, you know, I mentioned Matt Rule earlier. He was fired mm-hmm. midseason or not even really midseason. It was pretty yeah. early in the season. Um, what is it like to be a part of a team where a coach is fired? I think this is your first time experiencing that um, in your season. NFL career? It's yeah, during the season. During the season, yeah, during the season. Uh, what is that like? Did you guys, like, have any inkling of what was going to go on? How do you find out that information? Yeah. Uh, you 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 kind of feel the the vibe of it, you know, throughout the, throughout the, the weeks as it goes on. But uh, it sucks, you know, just because you you go through training camp, you go through a lot of different phases and – throughout this football season and to have your coach leave is one thing, but then to have like the head coach go, 
you know, who's pretty much running the show at the at the time, it's difficult, you know. So for us, it was more it was more so like we have to adjust to what's next, you know. And then Coach Wilkes came in and did a great job, you know. I think the guys around was all brought in, you know. The, the first week we got Coach Wilkes, so you know we was just looking to try to get things going, and uh, we just wanted to get on the we just wanted to get on the winning the winning board. So Coach Wilkes has this team in a spot where you guys are, you know, competing for the division right now. Yeah. Like you, you could end up with the division if things go the right way. Yep. Does he deserve a shot at this job next year? Does absolutely, he, yeah, absolutely. You could just you could you could you could see the guys around uh, buy bought into it. It's not even buying it. We we've we've been bought into what he's been what he's been preaching to us and. Uh, you know, we it's 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 one thing to have a group of guys that play for you, but it's one thing to have a group of guys that really that that love you as a person and wants to play for you. And I think the guys around in this locker room, that's that's how they feel about Coach Wilkes. And uh, you could ask for a, a better guy for the position. And uh, one more Matt Rule question for you. Um, one thing that came out after he, he was fired is that he would use the um, acronym OOU, which meant yeah. one of us. One and of I us, think that yeah. came from his Temple days. And he was also kind of known for stocking the team with Temple guys. And obviously you're a Temple guy. And so yeah. I wonder, like, how did he use that term um, with players? And did it ever, I don't know, did it ever feel uh, strange to be like one of the Temple guys? Like, how? Did did that ever sort of make other players feel different or other? Yeah, I didn't think. I, I mean, I didn't. I don't think that he, because you, if you ask me, the Temple guys that was here, mm-hmm. you know, they never really had. No one, no one ever really had an edge on anybody since they since we was here. You know, so for us, okay. it was always you got to figure it out. You got to compete and do all the things that these other guys are doing to even still be here. You know, so that's. That's that's first, and if you can't do it, then you won't be here. Uh, so for you know, I, I think the guys around in the locker room understood that, and they didn't really feel any type of way because they knew those guys was competing the same way they were. And uh, it's just it's just tougher to see a, a group of guys from college. You know, it's it's different if you see one or two guys, but when you see a, a handful um, that's in a locker room because of someone, you know, you can always you can always raise some skeptics about. Oh, he's probably getting treated different or things like that. But I didn't I didn't go through anything like that. I didn't feel like any other guys in this locker room has either. Mm-hmm. And obviously Rule is now, you know, at Nebraska, took a college job again. So, you know, he's definitely landed on his feet and is back yeah. in the game. Is there any truth to the opinion that um, some coaches are just really more suited for college as opposed to the NFL? I mean, there's truth. There's truth to it as as always. You know, uh, you know, it's 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 different. It's two different levels. It's two different approaches as well. Uh, college, you can you can approach the game one way. In the NFL, you got to approach it a different way. You know, you got a lot of guys. The the consistency the consistency with the roster isn't the same as you get in college. You know, and for you to want to build a program in the NFL, you got to. They got to be really good players that can consistently go out there and do their job. And in college, you can you can build guys up to consistently do their job. So, I guess the time wasn't the time wasn't right. The timing wasn't right with the guys that was here for them or things like that. But you know, you just see the difference in the coaching styles in the NFL and college. And my last question for you, I like to kind of let you 
throw it to another quarterback who's kind of in a similar role as you, who you respect or who you think is needs an opportunity or would be really good to get a shot. Is there anyone that you want to highlight around the NFL as like a backup who you think is really talented? I think Ty Huntley is very, very talented. The kid from Baltimore. I think yeah. He, I think he's a baller. Um, you know, I just go out there and watch him and, uh, you can just see the consistent times, uh, the consistency when he gets out there and just there's no change in the offense. You know, they just go out there and they, stay, they just keep it rolling. And uh, it's so good to see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm huge fans of both him and Lamar. So for me, it's just to go out there and to see those guys go out there and do what they do in their offense. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. Well, PJ, thanks so much. Skateboard P, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for joining us on QB2. Thank and you. thanks for listening and watching, everybody. I appreciate you. Thank you all for having me. This was The Athletic Football Show.